Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, August 31st. We are here live. We're here for an hour today. This morning, it's a free-for-all for an hour. I shouldn't say we're here for an hour. It's a free-for-all for the first hour. Phone lines are open right now. I've got a topic I'll throw out here. Not really a lot to say about it, but I'll throw it out. We'll see if uh, there's any interest in that. But you can talk about anything you want. So pick up the phone and join me, 855-950-3835. After the first hour, we'll switch on over to Rolling Toe with Mike and Kevin Beckett for an hour. They'll answer all of your questions about tires, alignment, handling, suspension, vibrations. They love vibration calls. You guys should really uh, hit, hit them up with some more of those tough vibration calls. They love that stuff. That's what they eat for breakfast. Uh, after they're done, roughly an hour or so, uh, we will head on over to a Twitter space and uh, just going to continue what we were talking about here on the live show. So uh, jump in and join me. The, the topic I'm going to throw out today... Uh, the latest hysteria from the owner-operator small carrier world on social media seems to be all about data. Uh, interesting enough, I've been talking about data for years. How many times have you heard me say you have to understand historical rates in lanes? You have to understand seasonal rates in lanes. You have to understand how the current environment is affecting rates and lanes. Produce season has an impact. Almost everything that happens in trucking has an impact on the rates and they change constantly. It is, it, it is difficult to understand rates in trucking. There's no doubt about it. It's hard work. Most owner-operators and small carriers never bother. And if you don't need to and you're doing okay, fine. I've always encouraged it. I think understanding this just helps you understand the business overall. The issue now, all of a sudden, from the groups that have almost never accessed this data... And by the way, I have the data to show that these groups don't access the data. Um, it seems to be that they're referencing data from three companies, uh, Freightwaves, Truckstop, and DAT. I have seen data about the data from two of those companies, Truckstop and DAT. Um, I don't really know the numbers in the background from Freightwaves. What I have looked at, remember these are when you go on the load board, like many things you do online, your activity is tracked. Both truck stop and DAT track what you do. And they don't do it to spy on you. They do it to understand what data their customers use, how the customers interact with their software and their platform so that they can make it better. I promise you that's why they do it. They don't do it because they just want to spy on you. And what you can find in that data, I've talked about it many times, the typical owner-operator 95 plus percent of the time only uses the load board to search for and find a load. That's it. That's it. You can go in and look. That's what they're clicking on. And then they're gone. And then they come back and they do it again. And we've talked about how they search for a load. They sort it by rate. That's how we started to understand that idea of chasing the rate. We can also see which load they may have selected. 
so we know which brokers they're working with. That was how we identified the one and done phenomenon. I've been talking about these things for years. And then I'll say, when we look in there, they are not accessing the historical data, sometimes never, very, very seldom. So the people that complain about the data seem to be the ones that don't use the data and don't understand how the data was collected. That's a big part of the problem. I made one post on Monday and all there's probably been not exaggerating probably 50 posts about that I I haven't responded at all I have a a new method on this I kind of like it I I just post an issue and then sit back and just watch I don't reply to anybody's replies anymore I don't mean ever or on every post, but in general, when it's one of these posts, you know, about rates or brokers or or the hot button issues, I just kind of post and then sit back and watch. And then I'll report on what's happening, which is kind of what's going on here. Honestly, I am to the point I read these posts that they're making about this data. And the more I read, the more I'm confused. I have no idea what they're talking about anymore or what their real problem is. It seems to me that they're complaining that the data isn't the real rates. I don't, I don't really understand what they're trying to say. So um, we can talk about that. Um, I, I posted a couple of things. First off, the data is useful if you understand how it was gathered and how to use it. Is it perfect? No, not even close. We know that. I've talked about the, the, the problems and the anomalies in data. But once you understand what they are and where they are, and the data is still very usable if you understand how. The biggest issue, though, here is is they're complaining about all this data as though it's all fraud and it's designed to, you know, hurt the owner operator and small carrier somehow. But I'm not really sure how. Here's the big issue. These are three private companies. They can produce whatever data they feel like producing. If you don't like that data, go somewhere else. Go find the data somewhere else. How about trying to create the data and find out whether or not you could ever do it accurately and how expensive it is to create this kind of data? I don't understand what they're complaining about. It's like complaining all the time that McDonald's hamburgers suck and continuing to go to McDonald's. What's your problem? Go get a burger somewhere else. If you don't like what private companies do, don't interact with them. That's what a free market is all about. I swear when I read these, I I think what they're pushing for is probably some sort of government regulation about data. Anyway, let's uh, let's get to your calls. Did I have another point about? Well, I'll, I may come back to it. I'm going to get to your calls. Find out what's on your mind today, because uh, maybe you're not interested in this topic at all. We'll see. Uh, let's go to Illinois. Jerry, welcome to the program. Well, good morning, Kevin. I got two things I want to follow up with. On yesterday, I called and talked to Trina about a uh, detox kit, and I want to let you know that I did, in fact, get busy and get. Two of them ordered and sent to my granddaughter who's in dental school. So we'll see awesome. what happens with her. I, I love that I, idea. I, I texted her, want to know 
Well, I I texted her and asked her if she was open-minded, and I think she is. I really do. Good. So hopefully we'll get some uh, results back from her. You know what would be really interesting? It's entirely possible that this one move on your part, this one thing you reached out and did, could change her entire career and life. And that might sound like a really big statement, but it's not an exaggeration. At at some point, everybody in the medical field is either going to go down the, the big pharma, big medical model, or... They might just find their way to this holistic, functional, in, in dentistry, for some reason, we call them biologic dentist. Um, and that is a big, big difference. So you may have been, you know, the catalyst to just steer her over to an entirely different career and life. And then let's think about that for a second. In her career, how many patients is she going to deal with? Thousands. Well, I hope a bunch. I yeah, hope thousands. Yeah, so, I hope so now, anyway. Now, one, one little thing that you did could affect thousands of people. They're either going to be damaged by our, our big dental system, or they're actually going to be helped by the biological functional dental system. And you may have changed that. Yeah. I think you're way too optimistic, but I give you credit for being optimistic. Uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. But she's just starting her career, so she's kind of, kind of going to be. You know, she's got three more years of school, so she'll be influenced by them for quite a so, while yet. So. Right, but let's think about this: Had she gone through the three years of school and then you reached out to her, that's very different from reaching out to her now, well, letting her know there's another way, and she can kind of maybe, if she does she would be able to benchmark against what she's learning. And if we had enough doctors or dentists doing that, they would probably revolt based on how much they pay for this education and how bad it is. Yeah, probably so. So, all right, I'll, that was one follow-through. And the other thing is, is I, I guess we've chatted enough to know that I tend to have a rather obsessive personality and probably to a mental deficiency. Even I'm, I'm a, I get obsessed with something and I got to get, so I want to follow through on my Monday call. And here's what I want to know from you. And there's a reason I want to know it. When you look at oil samples, what are the top three or four brands of oil you see on oil samples? I'm assuming shell rotella tea would be obviously probably be at the top of the list. What are the other two or three or, that you see very common. You know, they're they're the big brands. They're the big, and it just makes sense. They're everywhere. They're on the shelf. People who don't think about oil, care about oil, will just grab a bottle. And honestly, I have to say, there's nothing wrong with just grabbing a bottle of oil. As much as I, I've talked about this for years, as much as I would love to say, this oil is so much better than that oil, and here's why. I just can't. I can make a couple comments. Rotella, we've talked about, has a lot of zinc. Zinc is protective. It's got all the same stuff everybody else has, and then it's got some extra zinc. And um, so much so, John Walco has told us it's a diesel oil, and they use it in race cars because they just like that formulation so much with the extra zinc. Um, other than that, oil's oil. Honestly, I, I hate to say that. So having, I've, I've never bought a jug off the shelf for probably years and years and years. So what, I mean, Shell and what's the other, Dello? Uh, Dello is probably. Delvac will be what? 
but you're number two. But it, look, and I'm not, this isn't any kind of scientific. I haven't, you know, crunched the numbers, but from, you know, just memory, what do I tend to see more? It is just the two right. or three big name brands that you always see. You're right. Dello, Rotella. Look, look on the truck stop shelf at what's sitting there. And those are the oils I'm going to see most of in, in oil samples. All right. All right. Well, here's the reason I want to, I want to get them and I'm going to see, I told you I get obsessed and I'm going to take <laughs> some brand new oil and I'm going to send some in for, I'm going to get some sample bottles from you and I'm going to send about three or four top oils in. And this is a follow-up on our call Monday. I am informed way beyond my intelligence, but after our call on Monday, I think on Tuesday morning, I had a long visit with my uh, oil blender, the chemist at my oil blender, uh, Central Petroleum Company, Centico, and I had a long visit with him about this silicon issue. Back there the whole time. Uh, um, anyway, I um, I had a long visit with him, and he he's very very knowledgeable. So, but uh, he talked way beyond my intelligence. Silicon is added as a foam inhibitor. Right. Thank you. Sorry, Kevin, I keep my paperwork. Uh, anyway, right. and, and the whole science—the whole science behind it is—is is that the silicon molecule is a heavy molecule, and as you start to form a bubble, the heavy molecule of silicon attaches and cracks the shell of the bubble, and that's how it performs as a foam inhibitor. However, the oil testers, any, no lab can differentiate between silicon as an additive right. and silicon as a contaminant. So you have to, in order to read an oil sample, you really need to know what the base oil has but, as, as far as silicon. Well, let, as let, I indicated on Monday, mine let, has 10 parts per million. Let, hold on. Let me address that. Okay. Because I would push back on that topic. And here's why. I've been reviewing oil samples for since 1995. I've done a lot of them in that time. I, I almost hate to admit this because I do know a lot about oil samples. I've taken classes on it. I didn't know this was even an issue. I didn't know they added silicon as an anti-foam agent. And one of my questions would be, do all oils and at what levels, or is there some other additive that can be used for this? Um, but here's why, yes, I, here's, I why I would, here's why I would push back on the fact that you need to know this. I didn't know this for all these years, but yet that number of silicon has been very, very useful. Even though I didn't know this, anytime it's over 10, we start to see excess wear metals. Anytime it's under 10, we don't see those buildup of wear metals as much. This is all nuanced. But that's worked really well for us. When somebody goes over 10, we tell them, hey, there's a problem. You're getting excess dirt in the engine, and we need to figure out why and fix it. And then they usually find the problem, they fix it, the number comes down, and the wear metals go away. So I haven't known this data all these years. I didn't even know it was an issue. And we still handle this silicon thing fine without knowing that. Well, but he addressed that, and here's here's what I'm getting at. I asked him that very question, kind of, sort of. Yes, you have to look at the other wear metals because dirt or the Earth's crust is made up of, shit, what do you say, six parts silicon and one part aluminum. So if you start to see other wear metals increase, it probably is dirt. And not, no, not all the oils have the same amount of silicon. There are other compounds that some companies... That, that's what I figured, right. 
Right, but but like I asked him off the top of my head what like a popular brand of Shell Rotella would have in their oil, and he oh I don't know he said some maybe five or six he didn't know for sure so uh, anyway that's what I'm getting at so, so that's so, why I want to send some samples in and test so well let me go back and and cover what you said. You have kind of an obsessive personality, and you're curious, and you want to know. I love that. That you know, I talk about Bruce being the most curious person I've ever met. He asks everybody everything, but that's also how he learns and how he improves things. So I, I would never discourage you from doing this, but I would say on this issue, um, it, it's kind of a non-issue. I, it, we get the results we need with the data we already have and understand. We help people make sure they don't have excess dirt in their engine. That, that's the outcome. That's what I'm shooting for here. And for 20 or 30 plus years, however long I've been doing this, it's worked. But now that I've started on, I've got to know. Kevin. Yeah, I've oh, exactly. Know. Keep, keep going. Here's something interesting because I didn't know this. I, I was wondering. I had a feeling I was right, but I wasn't sure. Silicon dioxide, also known as silica when I hear silica, I think of sand, um, but what, and that would make sense, but what silica really is, um, silica is the major constituent in quartz. So this is why this is so damaging. We're really not talking about dirt like we think of dirt, like you go out and grab a handful of dirt, and when you get it wet, it becomes mud. We're talking about more like the parts of sand, that it, it doesn't dissolve like dirt does in water. It's made up of very, very tiny pieces of hard rock and quartz. I mean, that's, what ha- that's how we get sand on a beach. It was a rocky shore, but after a billion years of all that friction, it's broken down into sand. What, it, what do we use sand for to make sandpaper? to cut things. So that's really what we're talking about when we say dirt. We're talking about silica or sand and quartz and rock that's in really tiny little pieces. Does that make more sense now? Sure. Sure it does. So, and that's what I told you. You know, when I first got on this issue, I, I, and you probably don't remember it, but I told you to go out in your garden and pick up a handful of dirt in one hand and squirt a bunch of silicon gasket sealer in the other and tell me how come they're the same and they're they're uh, analyzed the same on an oil sample because I could never get it through my thick skull as to how dirt and silicon gasket sealer both showed up under silicon on an oil report. I always thought it was a little weird too. Um, I never understood why we just understood that it happens and again that was enough uh sometimes enough knowledge is enough knowledge and and that was enough knowledge to, wow. to for me to be able to say um, one of my first questions when i see high silicon is always has the engine been opened up right i say it just about every time because if it has been we will kind of ignore that high number knowing that it was caused by that process Right. But back to the silicon, if if you looked at, at my oil, if you looked at somebody's oil sample and they had, let's say, five parts of, of silicon, you'd say that's absolutely no problem. Don't worry about that at all. If you looked at my oil sample and it had 15 parts per million of silicon, you would say, holy cow, you better check your air cleaner and everything. However, 
with me starting out at 10 parts per million in my See, oil, I, I'm only at five parts per million, so we're both at the same level, and one's worrisome and one's not. That's never shown up yet, and let me maybe try to figure out why not. You mentioned a brand of oil okay. that with all the research I've ever done, I've never even heard of. And so, that's fine. It's a right, smaller but, company, but, but yeah, what my, was the brand of oil that Jackie sent that sample in? What brand of oil was that? I, I don't Do you remember. remember but, offhand? But, remember, that's what started the whole conversation. If we really thought this was an issue, and I don't, um, because I've never had a problem diagnosing this issue and fixing it in all these years. But if I thought there was some issue out there, what I would have to do is go get the oils and find out which one uses silicon as an additive and how much. And But I, I just, like I said, don't see it as a problem. We get the results we hope to get. We fix the problems. This might be some weird one-off thing that this brand of oil does. I don't know. Well, I don't either, but Jackie, the one that Jackie sent in on Monday had 10 parts per million, so it's not a well, one-off well, is well, what I'm trying but to say. Then let, me, then let me ask something else that I don't know but has to be addressed. If these oils start with 10, how can I see trucks with that brand of oil at four? Is there silicon being consumed somehow, and how? No, if it it's started not being at consumed, 10, how do you know? How, how do I get to four? Because it didn't start out with some of not all of them start but, out with 10. No, I understand that. But there are oils you're telling me now have 10. And I will tell you, I've looked at samples with that oil and it's been lower than 10. Okay. But have you ever looked at an oil sample of Sampico oil and, and I've never, analyzed it? Have as, you ever looked at a sample with, as, that, with, the, with the brand of oil that Jackie? As far as I know, I've never looked at a sample with some Pico, unless I've looked at yours and I didn't even know what brand I was looking at. Well, no, hey, here's did. the here's the thing but again. That, but, hey, hey, hold hold on, Jerry. Let let me just cut to the chase. All right. I am yes, very very happy with the results we've been getting around silicon in truck engines for almost thirty years now. It sounds to me like if I were going to try to figure this out, it's going to take me, I, I would just estimate four to six hours of research time, maybe longer to go try to find all these formulations for all these oils. Sometimes you can't find them. These companies don't well, give up and, their recipes. And so here's the thing. See, I, I, asked I that again. If you want to go do this research and report back to me, I would love that. I'm not doing it. Well, I asked that exact same question to my oil blender. I said, look, can I, is there somewhere I can order the analysis of every brand of oil? And he said that there was a company in Michigan some time ago called Centrin well, or go, something like that. Go that find used, them, but it was an extremely expensive. Well, they were, they were an extremely expensive subscription and even a one-off uh, sample this, report. And I said, well, hell, for 50 bucks, you can send a sample into a lab and have it analyzed. He laughed and well, said, yeah, that'd be well, a lot cheaper. So, Well, yes, except you've got to do it for every brand of oil. Well, I don't care about every brand. I just want to get a, a top few. So okay. it's not going to cost me that go, much to Go do, do it, it and so. report back to us. I will do that. I so. love it. Thank you. I plan on it. So, All right. uh, yeah, just research is king. Thanks, Gavin. Didn't mean to get so deep into it, but oh, it's, no. it's way I, beyond my intelligence. I, I love getting deep into stuff. I'd rather do that than just skim the surface all the time. Let's uh, let's go to Maryland. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hey, Kim. Uh, hey, Kevin. Can you hear me? I can. You're a little quiet. Speak up. Okay. Three, two, one. We're dead free. 
Oh, hey, uh, now I hear what's going on. Awesome. Congratulations. But you called the wrong show. That's Dave yeah. Ramsey that does that. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it's all your... <laughs> Congratulations. That is, that is awesome. Yeah, but we... and, uh, yeah we learned. And uh, let me say this. Old mistakes and Based yeah. on everything going on in the world, your timing couldn't have been better. Yeah, I hear that, too. Yeah, we're just... We're thinking about that, Jay. We've been investing in uh, as well. So let, our, let you know later in life. Let's do something for a second. You don't have to give the numbers right now, but you know, take a look at, look back, and figure out when your debt peaked, and then when you started huh. to pay it down, and how much you were able to pay down in a year, because that should be the minimum number that now gets invested or saved. Okay, Tammy's good. She'll listen. She'll listen to me playing. Okay, good. Which is I'm trying to. But yeah, it, well, yeah, here let me that. just uh, explain it really quick. We're, we're trying you, to catch you, up too. We're we, you guys, we, we pretty much maxed out our our things. Yeah, so you guys were living and paying the bills, and then on top of that, you were taking money to pay down debt. So what that tells us is you that's uh, the excess money that you have after paying bills, at least that much. That's why I say this is a minimum. So that tells you, hey, if we want to continue this trend, we, we just did this awesome thing. We don't want to stop now. This is the minimum amount right. we should be saving every month because it's, it's available right. oh, now. Gotcha. You're not yeah, using it to yeah, pay off do. debt anymore. Now right. you can use that excess money to start creating savings and investments. Yes, right, of course. And so we're just going to, right, uh, boost up what we've already been doing too right. as well. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not going to, but, uh, what was I getting at? Um, I was also gonna, uh, say I had a good week with, uh, I, I mean, Oh yeah. I wanted to touch on that. We, we didn't sound like we had credit card debt, but yeah, we paid off our home. You know, we paid that's, off our home, that's so we were, really awesome. Right. I love that. Yeah. You know, one and, of the uh, things I, one of the statistics we, I'd love to go look up, I've never seen this published anywhere that I, I recall. How many Americans actually pay off a home in their lifetime? I'll bet there are a lot that never yeah. do. I, I mean, I know people in their 50s and 60s that were refinancing homes. And then if you think about <laughs> yeah, that, and, and it, a it's people. a little crazy when a 60-year-old takes a 30-year mortgage. Yeah, a lot of people say, because probably a lot of people are have sold their home they were in and then they got into another one and put the big down payment and maybe, maybe they're going to finish up or something like that. I, right? I, it would be interesting to know how many Americans never pay off, fully pay off a mortgage in their lifetime. I'll bet it's a pretty big number. Yeah. We, we definitely learned from our previous life and mistakes. We, we each had lost a, a home or let a house go in our past. And yeah. so we learned a little bit and, of well, the hard way, you there, know, but, uh, there's a huge example of what education does. At one point you didn't have the knowledge in the education and, and sometimes the discipline. I get that when we're younger. We, a lot of us went through that. I certainly did. Yeah. Um, but the, sure. the, you went from losing a home. That's a big, big deal. That's life altering. Yeah. You went from that to completely paying off a home. That's awesome. Yeah. When we look back at where it was too, uh, and how it, it increased, we, we kicked it, ourselves, but so let, look, let's, we, uh, yeah, we can't look back. Let's say this, <laughs> it starts with education 
and then ends with the hard work. You know, it's one thing to be educated, know how right. to do the right stuff. It's another to have the discipline to do the right stuff. And it takes both. You need to be educated. You have to understand what you're trying to accomplish here and how to do it. And then you have to have the discipline to do the hard work to get it done. And you two have proven you got both. All right. Yeah. And uh, that's right. I was going to say, and yeah, okay. We had it easy because, you know, we were uh, driving some uh, uh, company's truck that we had found our home at for, for now. And then we, uh, you know, have a set set type thing, you know, going on. So, I love the fact that that part we had easy. Well, I love the fact that you say you had it easy, but I don't see that as being easy. I mean, Uh, well, you know, we're not really like running a business, you know, um, that's what I meant, you know, well, well, uh, so I I get what you're saying. No, I get what you're saying, but I would, I could also turn that around. Um, I think it was easy for me to pay off a mortgage because I owned a business and I could just work as much as I wanted to and generate more revenue or work smarter. And so I, I feel like it was easier for me with a business because it gave me so many options. I mean, you basically had a fixed income. There wasn't much you could do to increase yeah. your income. You couldn't cut cost, not in, not in the business. You, you drive so many miles, you get paid so much money. That's what you've got to work with. Yeah. Well, and things just went right. And I don't know. Sometimes we were wondering, did they, did they mess up for the past year in our in payroll? But anyway, uh, and so I've had a great week. My son became finished his pilot school. So he's a pilot with, um, a sky West, which is like a Delta. Congratulations. Airline yeah. Type thing. So, I've, I've flown on sky yeah, West in the yeah. past. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he, man, he's in Salt Lake right now, but I mean, it's, very proud moment for me. Uh, so that was awesome. It, it, let me ask you something. And, uh, I don't know if you've, you've ever heard me talk about this in the past, but aren't you a little shocked at what he's going to get paid his first year for flying a plane? Yeah, I asked my mom that, you know, and because uh, uh, he he's over, he was he was staying in California with her to, to train, and uh, she said, you know, just under a hundred. And I was like, oh, he's oh. getting the same kind of the same as, as we are. Yeah, but wait a minute, that's but, gone yeah. way up in the last probably five years. Yeah. There was a time I reported and and this was a statistic I read somewhere. The average first year commercial pilot coming out and starting in the smallest planes they have. um, It was like $30,000 a year was the average. Yeah. I have heard you say that. Yeah. That's why I, you know, there's, I did wonder that. And there's uh, a lot going on with pilots right now, a lot going on with pilots. In fact, so much so that I've talked about the fact that I'm just not flying anymore. I I don't trust that industry right now there. We've had way, way too many close calls. It's almost every week. There was a big one on the news last night, 11 people went to the hospital because of turbulence People were being carried off the plane on stretchers with neck braces because they flew up and hit their head on the luggage compartment so hard. And you're saying it's because I thought I heard you say mention it was a is it more a concern about the equipment? It's everything. It's everything about that industry. With I believe they're all cutting corners. They're short on pilots. The vaccine mandate for all the pilots has caused an awful lot of new heart attacks and strokes among pilots. We've had pilots dying in the seat since the vaccine came out. Now I read just this morning. Good timing again. Um, the FAA is now claiming that they have proof that there are at least 
5,000 pilots who are flying, they've lied about their medical conditions. Oh, yeah, I I heard something about that, too. Yeah. You mean to uh, get through? To get qualified. It would be like, you know. Be qualified, yeah. It it would be like a driver trying to hide the fact that he was diabetic so he, you know, doesn't have to get a three-year or a three-month or a six-month card. That pilots are hiding their medical conditions in order to stay certified. And the the FAA says they've identified 5,000 pilots who have done it. Why aren't yeah, those, he, why aren't those did, 5,000 you know, pilots immediately suspended until this is figured out? I'll tell you why. Because they're already short on pilots. They can't. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, I hope uh, my son uh stop using uh, the commercial creamer and start yeah. making more steaks. But, I know. You know <laughs> I get it. I, I hope yep. But I know. Uh, and, uh, so, and then I uh, update or just in hey, case. Hey, I just thought of something. Where you were wondering. I just yeah. thought of something. We, we kind of excuse drivers for being so unhealthy and obese and not fit, and we blame it on the, the lifestyle, the job of sitting all the time. Why don't we have 400-pound pilots? Don't, isn't their job almost exactly the same? They sit all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, right. Maybe they go home and they... Uh have enough time to be, or I don't be, know. It's a standard tie. I, I, don't, I, don't, know. I don't know either. It'd be interesting for somebody to compare those two occupations and that why are they so wildly different in their health outcomes? That is interesting. I had never thought that about is. that till that just be. now. Um, and uh, chicken, uh, a spatchcock chicken on a green egg comes out with crispier skin than a rotisserie chicken over flames. Oh, yeah. FYI. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so for people who don't know what spatchcock means, it um, it's a way to cook a chicken better when you're going to cook a whole chicken. Problem with trying to cook a whole chicken or a whole turkey is you get very uneven heat distribution. The outside cooks fast, the wings and the small parts cook too fast, and then they overcook. The breast doesn't get done, and if you do get the breast done, then everything else is overcooked um, by when we spatchcock a chicken, we, we cut through half of the carcass and open the chicken up so it lays down flat when we cook it. And it gives you a, a more even cooking surface so things cook at the same time. What that allows you to do on the green egg is crank the temperature up to get the skin nice and crispy without overcooking everything. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah that makes sense too, yeah, because... Uh... Even though it was rotisserie, yeah, maybe maybe it created a lot of moisture, too, from the cavity. You know, I mean, maybe that softened it, too. It, well, and, and think about yeah. this. When you put a whole chicken on, say, a grill or even an oven, most ovens only heat from the bottom. Um, when you put it on there, yeah. look at part of your chicken is four inches away from the grill, and the top of the breast are 12 inches away from the grill, the heat. It's very uneven yeah. cooking on something like that. And then a turkey's even worse. No wonder why most people can't cook a good turkey. It's hard. Yeah, that's There's, why I thought rotisserie was going to be even as it goes around. You know, right. and, uh, but it still didn't crisp up. It's like the egg. Well, again, think about yeah, the, the, you know, the smaller parts, the Oops. wing out there right up near that heat. Oh, the whole time it's on the rotisserie, the wing's going to get way overcooked. 
um, the breast be especially here's another Dude, problem. Yeah. Our our Franken chickens these days or Dolly Parton chickens have monster breasts. And that's the problem <laughs> with trying to cook a chicken. It's the breast that always, you know, messes you up. It gets dry because it's so yeah. lean. Yeah. There's no fat in there. One of the ways that helps a little is cook your chickens upside down. And then the fat from the rest of the chicken at yeah. least kind of works its way through the breast and, and tends to moisturize it a little bit. When you start cooking heritage breed, you know, chickens that are pasture raised, they don't have giant breast compared to the rest of the chicken. They're much easier to cook. And they tend to have a lot more fat on them, so they cook better anyway. Yeah. Hey, how about a uh, quick uh, pe- uh, peppers? Have, have you uh, the jalapeno? I mean, the habaneros. There's green and there's yellow and orange, right? Well, let me. Have let me, you nope. tasted the let, green? Let me tell you how this nope. works. Almost every yeah. pepper. There might be some exceptions. I can't think of any right now. Almost every pepper will be green as it's growing, and I don't know if any stay. Yo, know, there are some that stay green. Most, though, actually yeah. will mature to a different color if you just leave them on the plant. Jalapenos turn red. You can pick them green, right? Or you can let them go to red. Yeah, they'll, I got you. They'll, they'll go to red, and the flavor changes completely. Some jalapenos, some of the varieties are brown. I've seen dark purple. I've seen almost black. But they all start green, and you can pick them all green, or you can let them go to yellow, orange, red, or purple, or whatever color that variety is going to be. Um, Habaneros are the same way. I've got several habanero plants out there right now. Most of the peppers on them are still green. They're just now starting to ripen to pure orange. This is an orange habanero. So I... So I didn't. Buy, so I basically bought unripe uh, habaneros on the green ones. Yes, that's all they are. They're they're Is unripe. Bottom bottom yeah, they're oh, unripe okay. peppers. Oh, I wonder. So I wonder what they're going to taste like. Have you ever? Honey, the honey. Can have you tasted the difference between a green jalapeno and a red jalapeno? Yeah, yeah it's more. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's that, more vegetable. Yeah, that's veggie it. Type. I actually describe that yeah, as okay. a green taste. It tastes green. It tastes yeah, like green, green stuff, okay. like you said, like green veggies. And then when it goes to red, yeah, it starts to get deeper and sweeter usually. And and it can even get hotter, but it, it gets a little more depth of flavor then, and it loses that kind of green taste. The same thing with habaneros. These habaneros are going to have that kind of green taste to them. It's a little harder to identify in a habanero, though, because of all the heat. Yikes. Yeah, okay. I bought yellow, too, and I bought some orange. And I might have, I think I might have mixed them all up. I don't know. Just experimenting. Those three peppers could have come off the exact same plant. They were just picked at different times. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I did get red habaneros. I mean, you know, jalapenos. Found them at the, a farmer's market. During the season when the, all my peppers are green, all of them, um, if I need a pepper, I just go out and grab yeah. one. If I want a habanero, I grab it green. Um, it's a little different, but it's, okay. it's, you know, it's not that different. Yeah. All right. Uh, same thing with sauce. All right, Kevin. Um, I, I have a oh. hot sauce I made out of pure green jalapenos. And then I have a hot sauce I made okay. out of pure red jalapenos. They are nothing alike. Two, that, that green sauce has that 
bright kind of green, almost citrusy kind of flavor sometimes. I make a real vinegary sauce, you know, and, and it's very, it's, it's nice and it, with bar, and, you know, use it for barbecue. I was trying to incorporate the honey to make it use it as my sweetener. But what if I wanted it a little thicker? What would you, uh, would you add arrowroot to it? Or would I, you, uh, um, I don't like to add thickeners to my hot sauces. I, I think they get funky when I mean, you do hot, that. I it's get, a barbecue sauce. Oh, it, well, same thing with the barbecue. Yeah, okay. I, I will say all my sauces, okay. every sauce I make that comes out of the garden, whether it's a tomato-based hot sauce, whether it's a tomato-based, you know, meat yeah, sauce, like a spaghetti based. sauce, whether it's a pepper-based hot sauce, whether it's a barbecue sauce, never add thickeners to those, ever. All I do if I want oh, a okay. thicker yeah, probably, product, I just reduce them more. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the ketchup probably got cooked out, maybe, and I canned it too, so maybe it got a little thinner. One of, I tried when, uh, when you can sauces, they get them. thinner. Yeah. Okay, and then I tried blending uh, the mash, the the, um, um, the pepper mash, you know, after yeah. the, out of the honey, and uh, it turned it almost into a, a Mexican barbecue sauce. I'll bet <laughs> it did change it. It yeah. did change it, but yeah. Yeah, when you start doing the honey and the All peppers right. and, and you, you get some crazy stuff that I've never tasted before. Yeah, it was definitely a Mexican burger. Well, there you go. But, uh, yeah. All right, let someone else get in. All right, thanks for the call. Let's go to Texas. Andrew, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Um, I called uh, last year and then a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last October... Uh, April last year, I had what my doctor called my first heart attack. And uh, I talked to you, I think, last week. I went to my doctors yesterday, four of them, and I basically said that by the first of the year, I want to be off all my medications. And you would have thought I was talking to puppy dogs. When you know, when a puppy is real curious, he turns his head sideways yeah. and looks at you. Yeah, um, yeah. They were like, they, I was, I was shorting them out. They're like, what? It, it, what, 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 what? You know? It, it's funny. I got these pictures of four doctors with their head tilted to decide, like, who's this alien? Yeah, yeah. What? what? Yeah. yeah. We thought we were going to give you more prescriptions. Uh, you thought wrong. Uh, no, we're not doing more. Now, one thing he did tell me, to, uh, she, uh, my female doctor told me to do was she was concerned my A1C. Okay. First of February, I had my toe removed because of an infection and I was on basically about four months total, three and a half of uh, IV antibiotics completely blew my system and not to be gross or, oh, or no, weird about it, it. I am just now pooping correctly. I'm sure. Um, I know. And, and 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 now I've got a case of athlete's foot uh, so, that I've got to take care of. So, Andrew? They said that it was because of the, Andrew, the, the mob. Yes, yeah, sir. I, I haven't heard something yet that I'm really hoping to hear. Because what I'm hearing What's from that? you is telling me that you know better than your doctors. And I believe you. I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about here. You do know better than your doctors. Right. Um, why uh -huh. are you still working with these four doctors? Because nothing is going to change. You can stand there and tell them all day long, I want you to get me off this medication. They don't know how to get you off that medication. Uh, one, the VA is paying for it. Uh, so it's free. Uh, no, and I just like, uh, and, and Andrew, part of that me might, is, honestly, that well, might no, be this, the worst, worst answer I've ever no, heard. No, no, it's, it's a funny, 
It, no, actually, it's a funny thing. Mostly, my my little sarcastic self is just kind of messing with them. Okay. Um, so if, I'm if, just like, okay, so that all I all but, what, what um, I was hearing was that you were kind of hoping they would, and I I get it now. But what I was hearing is, you know, hmm. I'm going to tell them how to do this, and then they're going to do it. That that's never ever going to happen. And asking them to get you off medications won't happen because they don't know how. No, they don't. And I know that going in, and I knew that going in. So I, I got my blood work, and they, both of the doctors, the two main doctors I've talked to, my cardiologist and my main, my first time I've seen a primary doctor, they changed doctors on me. Anyway, they, the primary doctor did not like my cholesterol level. I know, don't pay didn't. attention to it. Right. You said of that. Of course he didn't. Yeah. Now, my, my cardiologist, surprisingly, my cardiologist didn't have a problem with my cholesterol. So Which what was, was your so, weird. so now, let me ask you this based on where you are okay. with losing toes over in infections um, heart attacks mm-hmm. what is your cardiologist concerned about if he's not concerned about your cholesterol um, what is he concerned about well we've I've gotten two stents put in one last year of one course, this year because that's all they do but that's and, wrong you should yeah, have never they, gotten the stents I know I know that now but Here you're still working with these doctors. Well, this is my concern. They put the stents in. I can't, you know, as far as I know, I can't get them taken back out. No, but you can stop now, doing here, what they recommend. Here, That's one of my concerns was, and I was, I've, I've listened to other doctors uh, on the, like, you know, like Dr. Ken talking about it and some other ones. Um, once you, my concern is because of the damn stents, if... Um, if I stop the the blood thinner they've got me on, not will my not will my arteries clog back up. Well, stop, um, stop, stop! But, Hold on a second. Blood thinners have nothing to do with your arteries clogging. Nothing. All they're well, doing uh, is uh, the hold, no. Hold on. You're you're missing a key piece here. The blood thinner is not designed to stop clogging. The clogging already exists. They have to give you the blood thinner to get the blood through the smaller opening. It does not solve the problem of clotting or thickening or arteries closing up. That's that's not what it's for. It doesn't do that. It's never going to do that. It's a Band-Aid because you have clogged arteries to thin your blood. So So here's the thing. As long as you keep working with conventional doctors, you're only going to get conventional advice. They're going, and what they're telling you is wrong. You need to go to a functional right. cardiologist. I am not telling you to stop your blood thinner. I'm not telling you anything to no. do for your medical condition other than go consult with the right people or what you've experienced your whole life is just going to continue. You exactly. can't work in think, the conventional system and think they're going to be functional just because you're asking them to. And I understand that absolutely, completely. Mostly I'm going for my blood work because, you know, they do the blood work. So and then, I want to monitor a few things like my vitamin D levels, my potassium, okay. my magnesium I, levels. I get that. was on there. Good. Now you've and, got the information. Uh, my, hold, my, hold on a second. If you're doing it, I'm just taking what you're telling me. You're doing me to doing this to get the data and it's paid for. Excellent. We can use that data. They're not doing the right test. 
We could ask them to do other tests, and they may or they may not, and the VA may pay for it, and they may not. They probably won't. They probably won't pay for the test we really need to see. The kind of stuff you're going to get when you go to somebody like Dr. Wolfson. You are going to get entirely different panels. But if you want to do this to get the data they can provide at no cost, great. My next question, though, is whose advice are you going to take about how to get better? Yours. Well, well, not um, even mine. Not, you, and, you need and, and then the more people, than mine. And, you need a medical right, and professional. And the people that you're recommending. Right. Yes, that's the correct answer. Right. Interesting enough, I did take my bottle of uh, Cardio Magic or uh, that was Cardio name. Miracle. I got it yeah. from you. The Cardio Miracle. Thank you. I did take that canister into my cardiologist, and he looked at it, and he made a. He actually made a copy of it. Uh, you know, made a copy of the label, and he goes, "There's nothing in here that's going to hurt you. If you want to drink it, go ahead." He says, "It probably tastes bad, though." That was his words. I said, Do "You would you like to taste it?" He goes, "Yeah, why not?" And then his PA was in there with him, so both of them tried. Uh, I gave him a scoop. Uh, right out of my jug, and they mixed it up so, and they drank. He said that tastes really good. And so you, the, you know, cardio, you know, the cardio people might have a couple so, more customers off of it. I'm not sure. So kudos <laughs> to your cardiologist for at least being open minded. My response to him when right. he looked at and when he looked at it and said, "Yeah, well, there's nothing in here that would hurt you," I would say, "Can you say that about any of the pharmaceuticals you keep giving me?" Uh, yeah. The answer is um, 100% like, no. He can't tell you that there's nothing it, in a pharmaceutical that won't hurt you because every pharmaceutical drug contains something that is hurting oh, yeah. you. Exactly. And the, the whole thing about the COVID uh, vaccine, yeah, I think uh, what I've been hearing is you talk and other people talk about it is increased heart problems, increased infections, and... Um, you know, a couple of things. Bing, 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 increase in all those. turbo cancers, and, we're calling them. Yeah, and now now I'm going to worry about Anyway, so I got the first round and the booster the first round. Surprisingly enough, my VA doctor, when I asked, I did ask her last year, I asked her this year, you know, what about the boosters? Are they recommending the boosters? Not that I was going to take them, but I didn't tell her this. She's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Surprisingly, that's what the VA doctors told me. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and I was like, "That's interesting." I wasn't, sus- I wasn't, I wasn't suspecting that. I thought they were absolutely you. You got to have them, you know. But they were. Su- I surprised. They said no. Um, going to Tuesday's show, you had a uh, a a person call in about he started working in the quarries and having filter issues. Oh yeah, uh, uh, on his truck. Okay, I work in dirt. That's what I'm. I work in construction. I'm hauling dirt right now in the building dump. And so every day I blow out my filters, my air filters. Okay. And every day I am, I've got an air chuck mounted in the truck coming off of the secondary tank. And I use that to blow out the air filter and I use that to blow out all the pulleys and everything else right. in my truck. Are you oil sampling? During COVID. Oh, no. I well, no, a, I don't own the truck. Oh, uh, I have a concern yeah. here. It's, it's easy. Yeah to tear a filter and not realize it using compressed air to blow it out. And if you're not oil sampling and you don't catch that tear, you could wipe out an engine. Uh, well, well, this this is not my truck. 
I, no, I understand that, but it, that doesn't mean I, I don't want to yeah. educate people on that's not a great practice if you're not oil sampling. Right. Um, yeah, I understand that, and I'm going to suggest it to him. Right now, I'm a rookie. I'm a rookie. I got my well, my license back last October, um, and I'm just you know going through the motions, learning right now, and. Um, so I'm just doing what the boss tells me to do. We had an interest, uh, two things on this. We had an interesting conversation between two managers telling me how to blow the filter out. One, one of them says only blow the outside of the filter off and put it back in. The other one says, no, you got to put the nozzle inside the filter and blow the dirt out to the outside of the filter. Okay. When, when you are having there a proper hold, way of hold, doing that. Hold on. When you are having this conversation, and one person says you should do it this way, and another person says you should do it this way, or even if there's only one and they're telling you how you should do something, what's my favorite question? Why? Did you ask either one of them why they have that opinion? That, that's the way we've always done it. So I don't want to take was, either uh, one of their... That the typical answer I, I get. So, okay, now you're asking a third party, and I'll tell you, don't blow out the filter. I don't. I think it's a bad practice. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Why so didn't you I ask don't... me why? Make me prove well, myself. I trust you. No, don't trust me. I don't want okay. people to trust me. I want people to question me and challenge me so I don't get lazy. Okay, Why? Because there is a chance you're going to tear that filter somewhere, especially if you're sticking nozzles down inside where you can't even see what's happening. Air pressure can do a lot of damage to things. And you could tear that filter. Nobody's sampling. You're in a really dirty environment. And for blowing out a paper filter, we could lose a $40,000 engine. That's why. Okay, I will bring that. That I will bring up to the boss. For blowing out a filter without sampling. If somebody, I I just don't like blowing out filters. If somebody wants to do it and they think they're good enough at it and they're not doing any damage, I would want to see the samples to know for sure. I'm not risking a $40,000 engine over a tear in a filter somewhere. I will will address that with the owner. Uh, I'm going to sit down with him tomorrow. And that's, I'm going to write that down and bring that up to him and just to see what he, if he's open to it or not. Now, going back to Tuesday's call, and one of the things that your, one of your guests was talking about was what's, what's all that dust and everything doing to the human body? Uh, and that, before, right as COVID was starting, I had 10 different sources of income, mostly gigs. I did ride share, I did uh, package delivery, I did a bunch of different things. And every one of those companies, when COVID all started, sent me boxes of those stupid uh, face masks. Uh, and I still got them. I carry them now with me when I go into the quarries and I'm messing around with this truck. Now, I think they work for that purpose. They do, no doubt. And because, and yeah, well, because here, here's my why. nose is cleaner. Yeah, here's, when I blow my nose, it's cleaner. Here's why they work. That's we, how I know. We don't care if some dust gets passed. It's going to. When you're talking about a virus, though, if any virus gets passed, the mask has failed. In dust, that's not the case. Right. We just want to cut down the amount. We don't need to get it to zero. 
it, it, it's just like using a mask in a paint booth or any of those things. We use respirators. We, we don't care if there's a little leakage here and there. We'd rather not have that. But that's a whole different issue than talking about contagious viruses and bacteria. Um, I got to get to some calls here. We, uh, uh, in fact, we're not going to get to them all. So um, Mark and Paul, I know both of you guys can join me on the space. So I'm not going to go to your calls, just so you know. Um, we're going to go to Harvey and I'll get to Bob and then we'll wrap this up. Harvey, what can I help you with? Yes, sir. I got a little blood pressure problem, I think. Uh, when I take it with my new blood pressure machine, it'd be like 142 over 78 at 68 beats a minute. Okay. And I done make, it sounds like I'm getting a, uh, if it was a hydraulic pump, you would be doing good. You know, a the more pressure you get out of a squeeze, the better. <laughs> but it doesn't yeah. sound like that's your heart's. No, here's why. Here's why. Your, your, your arteries start off nice and clean, and that tells us what normal blood pressure should be. As blood pressure goes up, it's not because the heart is pumping stronger, like you're thinking of in a hydraulic system. It's because the pipes are getting smaller. So How come the, it goes down after I, I walk two or three miles? Because exercise releases endorphins and other chemicals, and those chemicals relax your arteries and your veins so that they open up a little bit more. They're not all tight and constricted. They relax and open up, and that's the same reason we take Cardio Miracle. The exercise increases okay. nitric oxide, Nitric oxide is what relaxes the arteries and the veins so that the pressure goes down. Cardio Miracle is a bunch of nutrients that help the body produce nitric oxide. Huh. All right. Well, it didn't make much sense, but it's not hydraulic pressure either. So. Nope. Nope. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. we have to be careful that comparing the human body to machines, even though the analogy seems good. Um, this is how we got so screwed up with calories in, calories out. Because in a machine, there is a measurement you can use to know how efficient that machine is. How much of the energy we put into the machine is converted to motion, because that's what we're using the energy for, that, that works in a machine. It's consistent. The human body does not use energy in the same way. It has multiple sources of energy. It will use energy different depending on hormone balances. And so the idea to think that we could take this measurement from a machine and apply it to the human body was a horrible mistake and is why so many people are obese today and still don't understand how to lose weight. That makes sense. Yeah. How about, all right, quick, uh, HRV. Single most. My average is 38. It is the single right. most important metric we can look at and measure ourselves easily now today to know how healthy and fit we really are. I think it's one of the, the most important okay. metric we have. And here's what you want it to be. You always want it to be higher. I don't care where you are. If you want it to be healthier, you want that HRV to get higher. And I will tell you, 30 is not okay. good. I've been in the 30s many, many well, times. I was just there 38. a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm climbing back out of that hole now because that's just not a good place to be. So a few days I've seen it like 
two days it was 50, and one day it was even 51. Let me tell you one thing that can affect it really quickly. And you can test this yourself. I encourage everybody to test it. On one night, and I'm assuming we're going to go to bed at like 9, 10, 11 o'clock kind of thing. I'm not taking into account truck driver schedules. So adjust if you need to. I'm going to use some times, but what I'm really talking about is the distance of time between your last meal and when you go to sleep. So I'm going to say if you go to sleep at 9, 10, 11 o'clock, one night, do not eat anything after six. The next night, eat right up until, you know, snack or eat or whatever, right up until the time you go to bed. Watch the difference in your HRV. It will tank when you start eating that close to bed. That's fact. I have noticed that. Yep. Every time. So I try it's to quit really eating about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and Excellent. not eat till 8 in the morning. Excellent. Not now. So if that's what you're doing and your HRV is average in the 30s, the way that you get that HRV up, you want to know how to get it up and it will you'll start seeing a difference in less than seven days. Okay. Do all the things I talk about on the stress protocol or do any of the things. If you do them all, it will go up fast. The cold exposure, the infrared sauna and heat exposure, the Wim Hof breathing, and the resistance training. Do those four things and your HRV will start to climb, and it will continue to climb as long as you keep doing those things. Now, at some point, you get up into the 80s, say, and you're going to notice a huge difference when you can get your HRV to the 80s. You are a new person. At that point, the protocol will probably stop really increasing it much and you're going to have to go do more than probably more resistance exercise more some cardio in there even um and then you'll continue to see it go but boy if we could get to the 80s that's a pretty damn good place to be uh one final call and then i'm going to turn this over to the beckett's bob what's on your mind today um, I was calling about, you made a, uh, you had a question about airplane pilots compared to over the road truck drivers. Yeah. And, uh, I called that and you, and, and you said, what would be the difference? Um, uh, the difference I, I'm, I'm an owner operator. Um, been driving 32 years. I'm 52 years old. Um, I weigh 170 pounds. I'm five foot 10 and Health, I don't know where you stand with health and everything, but the comparison between an airplane pilot and a truck driver, they sit, we sit, is I, I run a team run with my wife. I haven't walked the length of an airport in probably years. Yeah, but here's where, what I, Unless airplane pilots are sleeping on their airplane. <laughs> uh, well, some, some have long flights. You've got crews. I mean, overseas flights can get really, really long. And it's not like we're swapping out plane crews many times. You know who I need to get to weigh in on this for me is Mike Thompson. Mike Thompson's a pilot and an owner-operator, a commercial pilot for years and years, an owner-operator now. He would have good insight on this. So, Mike, call me or join me on the space today. But let me say this. Clearly, walking through the airports is, is more walking than a lot of truck drivers get. I get that. We also know that walking doesn't Mm -hmm. really fix obesity. Exercise doesn't really have a big impact on weight. Everybody thinks it does, it really doesn't. So I could see why they might be slightly healthier because of the extra walking, but I can't see how just that walking through the airport makes that big of a difference. I can promise you it doesn't. There's something else here. There's something we're we're not thinking of yet. I I believe that people were conditioned by the 
society to eat three meals a day, which I do not do. I've never done. I don't gorge myself three times a day. I probably eat five times a day, but very small meals, which keeps yeah, my I, metabolism I, going. Now that that that's a myth, and that's not a great idea. And I get it. It works for you. You're going to say, but look at me. I'm thin and healthy. I, I can tell you that's not the healthy way to eat. That's not the way humans ate. For Humans ate big meals when there was food available and then fasted in between. And those fasting periods were long, sometimes days. Uh, so I don't want to get too deep into this right now. Um, and if it's working for you, keep doing it. But it is not a way of eating that I ever recommend. That eat little meals. Look, we don't want a fast metabolism. I know everybody thinks that because their problem is they're obese and they think a fat metabol a fast metabolism will fix that. Well, it won't. The more calories you burn up, the more foods you'll go back and eat again when you're eating the wrong foods. And a fast metabolism just means you're going to die earlier. It, it, yeah, this whole idea of I want a really fast metabolism. Not a great idea. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Um, the Becketts will be back in uh, about five minutes or less. Doesn't take us long to switch over. Um, and then when they're finished, um, we'll head on over to X. So we will see you there. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.